This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. So this morning we will be looking at the parable of the prodigal son, and uh, that's found in Luke 15. So in your pew Bibles, it's uh, 8.21 and 8.22. So there are three parables in Luke 15. Uh, the parable of the uh, lost sheep, which uh, I know most of you are probably very familiar with that. The parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the prodigal son. So um, when we do our scripture reading, we will start at the very beginning of of uh, Luke 15, um, the first three chapters, and then we'll jump to the parable of the prodigal son, which would start in verse 11. Uh, just a one uh, quick theme that I just wanted to highlight before we read is the, uh, the theme of feasting and celebration, which goes along with finding the lost. So in the parable of the lost sheep, the, uh, the shepherd leaves the 99, goes and searches for the one, and then comes back and find, you know, after he finds the sheep, he comes back, he invites all his friends to have a feast and fellowship. And, uh, and the same with the lost coin, the woman searches for the lost coin, she lights a lamp, she searches the house, she finds the coin, she invites her friends, they have a big celebration, a big feast. And then in this, this parable, there is a feast that we are gonna study today. There is a feast, but, um, one son comes in and one son, one son doesn't. So that we're going to be focusing a, a lot on the, on, you know, a lot on the elder brother who doesn't come in. But the feast theme uh, just reminds me of what we just did this week is a foretaste of heaven, is uh, Bible family fun. We gather Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The first order of business was feasting, uh, being together as the family of God. And, uh, and it was fantastic. Good food, good fellowship, good fun. And so just a good reminder, good foretaste of heaven. So hopefully you'll see that theme um, and the contrast of that theme as we read through this passage. So if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Luke 15, we'll start at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Now skipping down to verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am, not lo- I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, his son, but when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Please, please pray with me. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. It's so, uh, it's so uh, enlightening. Um, uh, elsewhere in, in scripture, it says that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts deep to the quick and the marrow. Uh, it just uh, reminds me of how um, when we look at this parable, we see, uh, we see repentance and we see joy and celebration we also see hard-heartedness and anger and bitterness. Uh, so, Lord, uh, I pray that you would reveal these things to us in our hearts, that we might um, rejoice with you uh, in heaven uh, this day and also for eternity. Uh, we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Um, uh, real quick for our uh, note-takers, uh, we've got three main points uh, the three main points uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover the sins of the sons. So there's two sons in the parable. So it's it's the typically known as the parable of the prodigal son, but there's, it's really the parable of the two sons. So we've got the prodigal son, and then we've got the elder brother, the bitter elder brother. So we'll talk about their sin. Then we're gonna talk about their salvation, and then we're gonna talk about the solution to their salvation. The son that's missing, the son of man. So that's our outline. Um, 
So this week, in, uh, this week in the news, there's been uh, a lot of talk of the four children that were lost in the Amazon jungle. Maybe you've seen that. Uh, there was a, a, a small single-engine Cessna that was traveling at, over the Amazon, and they crashed, and the three adults that were on the plane uh, died in the crash. But there were four children, a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 5-year-old, and an 11-month-old. And so they were stranded in the middle of the Amazon, and they um, traveled, they, um, they tried to, the 13-year-old uh, knew what to do, thankfully, and so she was able to um, really protect and provide shelter and feed the other three for 40 days. They were lost for 40 days in the Amazon. And so, um, so at one point, they tried to stay near the, the plane crash, um, but then they decided, well, we better go and try to find help and find water and find resources. So they, so they sought out and left the plane crash. Well, of course, there was a huge search party uh, trying to find them. And this is what um, there were, the dad of, the, of a couple of the children was involved. And so the dad was seeking the children. And there was also this... Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Garzon, uh, he was involved in leading the search. And this is what he said about the search. He said, we will not leave until we find them. No matter what, we will find them. And so you can tell that he was, he was determined to search for them. And the uh, children themselves actually, um, uh, the, the older daughter, it was said that she um, was trying to provide shelter for the children, but actually was scared of the rescue teams. So they actually hid from the rescue teams for a while until they got the, uh, the grandmother's voice. They broadcast the grandmother's voice in their native language and said, you know, it's okay. These people are trying to help you. And so then they were able to be found. But it's a picture of us, of how we, as um, of children of God, we often think we've done something wrong or we've done something wrong, and we hide from God. We hide from our rescuer. And so it, it started way back when in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when they sinned, and then they started hiding. And so it's a picture for us of how we want to hide from God or run away from God, run away from our Savior. And this parable this morning connects in that way uh, where you have the, the younger brother uh, is running from God, just trying to serve himself, and the older brother is actually trying to be his own, his own Savior. So let's get into that this morning as we dive into this, uh, this wonderful parable so the first category we talk about this morning is the sins of the sons. So the younger brother's sins are fairly obvious, um, and many of us know people who fall into this category. Um, and, uh, and it's easy to point fingers at, at people like this. They're very uh, selfish. So the younger son, verse 12, goes to the dad and says, I want my share of the estate. And typically that only happens when the, the uh, father dies, and then there's an inheritance dispersed. And so basically the child is saying, 
you know, I wish you were dead, Dad. Uh, give me the money. And so uh, not, not a very encouraging thought, but graciously the father goes along with it, according to the parable. And so then the younger son goes and squanders his wealth with wild living. And so again, you know, I'm sure we've, we all know folks that have been in this situation uh, where they just are so consumed with themselves that they completely disregard all of their resources and blow all of their resources to the point where they just hit rock bottom. And in the parable, we see that that's what happens to the younger brother. He gets to the point where he blows all of his wealth. He has to hire himself out to feed pigs. And he gets to the point where there's a famine in the land. And he's basically starving. And which I wanted to highlight as the really polar opposite of what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God, where you're in a, a glorious feast. You know, he is completely turned away from God. He's completely isolated himself. And he is, um, he's starving. He's in a famine and he's not doing well. So, um, so uh, I would say sum it up like this. Uh, if you live your life for yourself, that's who you're going to find yourself with, by yourself, right? It's a, we've seen this pattern a lot. Um, uh, typically, younger brother types are skeptical of authority and institutions like Woodland Presbyterian Church. They don't want to be a part of of a community um, like that. They want to live for themselves. So that's just highlighting the sins of the, of the younger brother, which of course is well known. Now the sins of the older brother, let's focus on that. So starting in verse 28, the elder brother, he becomes angry and he refuses to go into the party. So the father decides, hey, we're gonna have a great feast. We're gonna kill the fattened calf, we are going to invite everybody in and we're going to celebrate because my younger son has come. He was dead. Now he's alive. He's back. We're going to celebrate. And the older brother decides, you know, puts his foot down and, and is like angry and, you know, I'm not going to come in. So, so the disrespect of the older brother to the father comes through where the, where the older brother is forcing basically the dad to come out of the party, to come out of the celebration and go after the older brother. So we see the older brother, he's, he's ungrateful. He demonstrates uh, joyless fear-based, uh, joyless fear-based compliance when he says, he says, I have, I have obeyed you, I've worked for you. Um, another translation is, I have slaved for you and never disobeyed your orders and you did nothing for me you didn't even throw me a party with a goat. And here you're throwing this party for the younger brother. And then speaking of the younger brother, he disowns the younger brother. He doesn't say you're throwing this party for my younger brother. He says, you're throwing this party for, for your son. So he doesn't even own him as his brother. And then he highlights the fact that he went and blew all his, uh, all his wealth. He went and blew it, including on prostitutes. So he's like pointing fingers at his little brother and basically calling him out and judging him 
for his sin. He's condescending, he's condemning, he's joyless. Um, he, he rejects the feast of the fattened calf. So this sin, a lot of times in the elder brother type person is more subtle because they are, they are rule followers. If he says, if you see in, in the verse where he says, he never disobeyed. So he thinks he's a rule follower, uh, but it creates this righteousness and this judgmentalism that comes through from the elder brother. And so we want to draw the, the contrast here between, um, between uh, the motivation here of the, of the older brother's sin is manipulation because the older brother thinks, well, if I obey everything and do everything and work really, really hard, then God owes me something. And so God owes me something to the point where um, God is in my debt instead of just honoring and serving the Lord, the older brother thinks that the God is in his debt. And I wanted to uh, share this illustration from you, and this comes from uh, Tim Keller's book called The Prodigal God, which I reread um, in preparation for this sermon. But uh, this illustration is the, uh, the carrot and the stallion, and it gets to the heart of, of motivation. What is our heart motivation? So Here's a, a little story of the carrot and the stallion. So there was a gardener, and the gardener was part of this kingdom, and the gardener was blessed with this giant carrot. It was the most beautiful, succulent, gorgeously orange, go balls, uh, carrot that you could ever imagine. And so the carrot, the, the, uh, the uh, gardener said, you know, I really want to bless the king with this carrot. So he took the carrot and he said, and he brought it to the king. And he said, King, I want to present you with this beautiful carrot. And the king was just in awe. Wow, this is fantastic. This is a beautiful carrot. I will certainly enjoy it and we will have it at the feast. And so, so the servant says, uh, God bless you and begins to leave and then the king says wait I have a plot of land right near yours I'd like to give you that plot of land so that you can garden that plot of land as well and that you can continue to bring glory and honor to God through your gardening thank you king says the gardener and he leaves well there's a nobleman who's who's listening to all this off the side and the nobleman has an idea the nobleman says well I have this black stallion. I'll bring the black stallion to the king, and then the king would bless me with all kinds of land that I could run my horses on, and I could raise even more. It'll be great. So the nobleman comes and he says, King, I have this wonderful black stallion that I would love to present to you as a gift. And so the king, knowing the motivation of the nobleman receives the black stallion with grace and says thank you and lets the nobleman leave. And so then the nobleman, of course, is frustrated because he's, he's thinking, well, I was supposed to get all this great blessing because I gave him this black stallion. So you see the, the whole point is the motivation 
of the heart. So we can see the sin of the younger brother is obvious, right? Squandering wealth, living licentiously, blowing everything. But the sin of the elder brother is more, uh, more subtle and, and can be more insidious because there's a, there's, a, there's a tendency to want manipulation, want something for doing something good. So, so um, in summary, Jesus is drawing out the two paths that are both sinful. So both brothers in the story are both sinful. Um, path A, the younger brother, is self-centered, recklessly extravagant, and categorically irreligious. This directly applies to the audience of the tax collectors and sinners. When we first began the parable in verses 1, 2, and 3, it says Jesus was talking to two categories of people, the tax collectors and sinners, and then the very religious, the Pharisees and the keepers of the law. So, so the uh, younger brother categorically fits with the tax collector sinner, sinners, the irreligious. The, um, the other, the elder brother, fits with the more, they are more moralistic and religious. And this directly is a, an affront to the Pharisees and the tax collectors of the law. So they are seeking to manipulate God instead of delighting in God. So that's the sin of the brothers. So let's go to the sin, or let's go to the salvation of the sons, the salvation of the sons. So the younger brother recognizes his sin, repents of his sin in verse 18, and then returns with humility to the father in verse 19. So he's recognizing his sin, he repents, he says, uh, you know, I have sinned against heaven and earth and and I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you and I want to and I'm and I'm returning and then the father runs and hugs him kisses him puts the best robe on him puts the family ring on him gets sandals for his feet and then he tell and then they he tells his servants to kill the fattened calf and have a feast instead of a famine and he says let's celebrate so the father here is being self-sacrificing, but we see that the, the salvation of the, son, of the younger son appears obvious, right? And uh, a lot of us have been in that same boat where you just feel like you're just living for yourself and you get to the point where you, you just hit rock bottom and you're like, I, I can't do this anymore. I need a savior. And you return to God the Father, and you receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Many of us have been in that place. And I want to point out that I would say that would be a good place to be, where you realize you hit rock bottom, you realize you need a Savior. Now, the salvation of the older brother in the parable is a different story. As um, Tim Keller points out, the older brother is in a really, really dangerous position in terms of his salvation. The older brother doesn't realize he needs a savior. He doesn't realize he's in sin. He doesn't realize his own need for salvation. There's no humility with the older brother. There's no repentance. 
with the elder brother. The elder brother is characterized by anger, feelings of superiority, unforgiveness and judgmentalism, joyless, fear-based compli compliance. Let's take a deeper look into our own hearts just for a minute as we, as we think about how can we apply the gospel to our lives. Do, do you find yourself in, with an inability to deal with criticism? This could be a symptom of, of lack of assurance of a father's love, especially our heavenly father. Do you not handle criticism well? Do you, uh, do you have irresolvable guilt, like when you know you've done something wrong and you pray for forgiveness, but you just don't feel like you can really receive that forgiveness, that irresolvable guilt? Does your prayer life feel really, really dry? These are symptoms of being an elder brother. The elder brother is condescending, condemning, anxious, insecure, and joyless. I know we, we, all have, we all have elements of this in our own life, but we can see it, especially in elements of other people that are in their lives. I've been around people recently that are not Christians, and, and the judgmentalism that came across was so apparent. The, um, the, the uh, skewing of the truth in order to make oneself seem better was so, so apparent because there was no gospel in their lives. There was no freedom to repent and to say, say that I am a sinner and I need God's grace and therefore I can receive other people who are sinners and I can forgive them and I can issue grace. There was no grace in these situations. It was all moralism and trying to be more upright than the next person. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a dangerous place to be, as Tim Keller would say. Um, Jesus was, walk, was talking to the tax collectors and sinners, and they were getting the message of the gospel. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were not seeing their need of a savior. Tim Keller says that this is a very dangerous place to be because you don't think you need a savior. Those who fall into the camp of elder brother are typically moralistic and dependent upon following all the rules in order to earn or merit salvation or even to become a self-savior. You can really elevate this to becoming a self-savior. Think about it. If, you, if you're trying to run away from God, think about this. If you obey all the rules, then you don't need Jesus. You don't need a savior. So it's really a kind of a twisted way of sinning because you're basically denying the deity of Christ. You're denying God's love. But if you are just so fixated on like, if I can just obey all the rules, then I can, then I don't even need a savior. I can be my own savior. So you become a self savior. And that's what the elder brother was doing in verse 29 he says I never disobeyed I, I never did anything wrong I don't need a savior so we may say well if I just don't break any rules then I don't need Jesus but the op that's the opposite of the gospel the gospel says we have all sinned and we've all fall short of the glory of God 
It's like when you think about rules-based religion. If you think, well, as long as I don't murder anyone, I'm good, right? But that's the, that's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel says that we should love our neighbors, love our neighbors as ourselves, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not just, a, it's not just keeping rules, it's expressing love for God and for our neighbors. But some people will get stuck in that mindset of like, well, if I sacrifice and if I obey all the rules, then God owes me. So there was a, there's a story of a, of a woman who was uh, working in ministry and she became, um, she became chronically ill and she was just mad at God. She was just so mad at God. And she had to realize that she was living as an elder brother because she was expecting that because of all of her sacrifice and hard work that God owed her good health. And the reality was that God didn't owe her good health. So it's, it's the carrot and the stallion, right? Like what, when we love the Lord our God, when we serve the Lord, when we love our neighbors, are we expecting something in return or are we doing it because of the love that God has shown for us? Um, there's a couple of uh, family members that I have, kind of distant family members. Uh, two, two sisters, they grew up in the same family. They both got married. Uh, one has experienced tremendous hardship in their life. Uh, she's experienced um, divorce. Her, her second husband passed away unexpectedly. She has cancer. Uh, she has really struggled. Her, her younger sister married once three kids great health you know good job everything's going great you know same family same you know they both love the lord but the difference is there's not an expectation that one deserves more than the other they both love to worship the lord even in whatever circumstance they find themselves in and so that's the I think that's the right heart place that we should be, right? Is, is we should be in that place where we, where we love the Lord, we love our neighbors, uh, no matter what the circumstance is. So this brings us to our final point this morning, which is, the pro- you know, we have a problem, right? Both of the brothers in the parable are sinful, and so we need a solution, so um, Tim Keller says the solution is the elder brother, but I, I was trying to make it fit with the son, so I'm going to say the solution is the son of man, which is Jesus, right? So both the younger and the elder brother um, were using the father uh, and not enjoying him. So the solution is the third son who's not present in the parable. But if we think about the two preceding parables, Jesus really is present in those two preceding parables, and so he's missing in the third. So the first preceding parable was the parable of the lost sheep, and the good shepherd goes and finds the sheep and comes back, and they feast, right? Well, Jesus, what did Jesus say about himself? He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus, the Son of Man, is the good shepherd, and he was present in that parable. 
The second parable, the woman who had 10 silver coins loses one. She lights a lamp, searches the whole house, and she finds it. And then and Jesus said about himself, he said, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is the light of life. He's there. In this parable that we're looking at this morning, in the parable of the two sons, the person searching is really missing. The person that the person that is missing is the Son of Man. And uh, Jesus said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we see a picture of God's love for us as Jesus searches for us. So the missing link in this parable is Jesus. And Tim Keller points out an amazing parallel between the cost of receiving the younger brother back into the family and the cost that God the Father pays through Jesus Christ to bring all those who he is calling into his family of God. As we go from being orphans to sons and daughters, the gift of life is free for those who receive it, but it is costly for the one who offers it. So let me point out this last parallel in the the parable. It says, um, at the beginning of the parable, the estate is divided up into into uh, one-third for the younger brother and two-thirds for the older brother. So, um, so two-thirds belongs to the elder brother. So when the younger brother came back, the father gave him the best robe, the family ring, and the sandals, and the fattened calf. So it was literally costing the elder brother part of his, part of his inheritance. So instead of rejoicing, the elder brother is bitter and angry. So Jesus, the son of man, the true elder brother, um, so, so, the, so there's a cost. So what I'm trying to draw out here is that the elder brother, it actually costs the elder brother to receive the younger brother back. So the elder brother had received his inheritance. And so when the younger, younger brother came back, the younger brother got, you know, re, re in, re-entered into the family, and so, so it literally cost the elder brother hit part of his inheritance to, to receive him back. So instead of receiving him back joyfully, he was bitter and angry. But what we see here is a parallel between the elder brother's cost and the true cost that comes from salvation, and that true cost is what Jesus paid. So what the cost that the elder brother was Um, the cost to the elder brother was part of the estate. The cost to God the Father was the total sacrifice of Jesus. So when you think about, when you think about what we deserve, we deserve alienation, isolation, and rejection, but Jesus was stripped of his robe and tunic and dignity and rejected on our behalf. So the Son of Man the cost goes on to the Son of Man. He gives us the best robe, the robe of dignity that is deserving of a son of a king. Jesus was treated as an outcast, an outsider, so that we could be adopted as firstborn sons with all the rights and privileges that accompany this position. 
The Son of Man paid it all so that we might receive salvation. <clears throat> the beautiful thing here is we see, like when the, in the parable, we see the father run out and we see him cover his son with the robe. That picture is the picture of the robe of righteousness that comes for all sinners, for the younger brother and for the elder brother who recognizes their sin and comes before the Lord with repentance. And so that, that grace is free. The Bible says that the gift of the, the uh, salvation is a free gift of God that comes um, from Jesus Christ. But it's not free to Jesus. It cost him. It cost him everything. And so as we think about the cost of salvation on this Father's Day, it brings us to John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God the Father loves us so much that he's going to lay down the life of his son, the son of man, to redeem the younger brother and the elder brother. So if you find yourself in the elder brother camp, if you find yourself in the younger brother camp, then you need to find yourself in the camp of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the third way, the way that welcomes all sinners and the way that we should be, that I would encourage us to be here at Woodland, welcoming to the elder brother and welcoming to the younger brother and a place of, of love and grace and community here at Woodland. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing parable that cuts to the heart of the younger brother and the elder brother. Give us uh, clarity of vision as we think about your grace and your mercy, that you, Lord Jesus, you paid it all so that we might be adopted as your sons and daughters and brought into your family. Help us to celebrate the goodness of the gospel today. Help us to celebrate our fathers today as a, as a foretaste, as a picture of our Heavenly Father. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art, thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my vision, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my 
thy great Father, am I thy true Son. I am the dwelling, and I with thee one. High King of Heaven, my victory won. May I raise heaven's joys, bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. My charge for for us, for all of us today on Father's Day at Woodland Presbyterian Church, is to uh, try to identify where you are in the parable. First of all, identify, are you an elder brother? Are you a younger brother? And recognize your need for Jesus Christ. As Tim Keller said, it's a dangerous place to be when you think that you don't need Jesus, or if you think that you have never disobeyed and don't need a savior. That's a dangerous place to be. And then um, after you've looked at yourself, then look around and I just charge you to create space for both categories. Be in relationship with elder brothers. Be in relationship with younger brothers. They both need the gospel. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.